live from Sadler Studios. Stay busy with the boy, Armand Sadler. Uh-huh. <laughs> we here. We here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Stay Busy with the Boy, Armand Sather. I yeah. am your host. I'll be running multiple miles. I'll be drinking kombucha. I'll be eating vegan shortly. So I do it all. You know me. COVID free. Get tested. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. It's very important. I, I understand we want to be outside. We want to be around people, but be responsible. Yeah. Get tested. <laughs> Co-host, how you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling good, man. I'm doing my thing. You know how I'm doing. I uh, I feel like I, you know, I had to. I was being boring before, so I got a little mm. quick little one-liner. You know, I'm the kombucha okay. king that makes your heart sing. Mm. So, uh, anything you need, I bring. You know, I'm just that's I'm freestyling right now. So it's a song uh, title, that's what the title is. Yeah. What's up, y'all? Nick Early, executive producing, co-hosting, stay busy. Excited for this episode. We got some people popping in, doing some stuff for us, talking about some good conversation. We're just excited to get into it again. Uh, you know, I got my little blue light glasses on. You know, these Youth pastor people. vibes. You know, amen. Amen. Uh-huh. Send in your prayer requests to be Twitter. <laughs> Do that. <laughs> you, you would be the youth pastor tweeting during service. Not at all. I don't have my phone out at church. But... Um, but anyways, y'all, here we are. <laughs> want, to, want to shout out our returning listeners, any first-time listeners, any last-time listeners. I don't really know why you'd be a last-time listener, but hey, shout out to you, too. Whether you like to run on the treadmill or the track, like your coffee, super sweet or black, Lil Baby or Gunna, mm. My Turn or Wanna, Alfredo or Marinara, Seth Rogen or Michael Sarah. Wow. Mm. You got to have culture to to get those references. Range, baby. Range. A lot of people don't even know who Michael Sarah is. Really they see his actor. face, though. They know yeah. his face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They know. Speaking of seeing beautiful faces, uh, shout out to Zoom for allowing y'all to see us, our beautiful black melanated skin every week. Just got a haircut. And melanated. Baby face assassin is here. You know the vibes, baby. I'm not, not regular. It's baddie season. Uh, also, want to shout out Anchor, our distribution platform. If you do not know, Anchor will distribute your podcast for free to all the streaming platforms. And you get some sponsored ads regardless of your listenership. So get to potting. Let's chat. Very busy week for music. A lot of fun stuff happened. Apple Music put out their 100 top stream songs since the application uh, was created back in 2015. To no surprise, Drake was all over the list. Uh, several placements in the top 20 nonstop in my feeling. Sickle Mode with Travis Scott at number two. God's Plan at number one. Uh, Kendrick was on there. Justin Bieber was on there. Beyonce was on there. BTS was on there. A, a, a lot of artists who we wouldn't be surprised by were on there. Yeah. Some pleasant surprises for me. Drip Too Hard by Lil Baby and Gunna and The Box by Roddy Rich were both in the top 10. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, we talk a lot these days and 
about how streaming has changed music and people often discuss it with a negative connotation like oh these artists wouldn't be as big if streaming wasn't a thing what have you blah blah right. blah but the reality is even drake has songs he puts out that don't stream as well as a god's yeah, yeah. or a sicko mode or something like that so it's you know it's not it's not this cheat code that everyone thinks it is so i kind of want to ask you you know what do you think the, these types of accomplishments say for 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 newer artists especially like a roddy rich or a little baby mm-hmm. Gunna. like that's that's crazy Right, right, right. I mean, obviously, first off, it's because it's great music. First off, you know, the music is great. But I think also is like the, each of these songs is attached to a moment. You know, it, each song had its own moment in the limelight. And I think that it was because they were big on social media, like God's Plan, for example. You know, like God's Plan had the memes, the video came out. It was just one of those things that you're just like, wow, Drake did that. It was like a word of mouth thing. Like folks at my job was talking about that. And, you know, they don't yeah. know nothing about what's going on. in our <laughs> And so... When they spoke about that, it was like, oh, no, this is like a, a wide moment and that people were attached to the means. Like I said, the means was coming out of it. Same thing with the box. I mean, the first time I heard the box was like, when I saw on some TikTok <laughs> videos or, or uh, Twitter, whatever it was. And I'm like, what's this eat your song? I would ask people, what's the eat your song? And then I found out, oh, it's the box, right? Rich. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I listened in. And I think that those songs, when they have their moment like that, I think that speaks to a greater uh, success that they'll have. Oftentimes, yeah. I think it's often connected to them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So shout out to all of the artists who made that list. Uh, shout out to Album Music for putting this out too. Uh, yeah. This is, you know, I'm, I'm not a big numbers guy, but you know, for people who try to discredit certain artists, it's like you you, you can't can't deny the numbers. Um, let's jump into this heavy R&B weekend. It was a phenomenal weekend. A lot of great stuff dropped. I want to first give give big love to the boy Ty Dolla Sign. His album oh. featuring Ty Dolla Sign dropped 25 songs. Yeah, and there was a lot of discussion going into it. People like, oh, another long album, oh, all these features, blah blah blah. Oh, blah, miss blah. me. So, what were your thoughts going into the album, and then how would you feel about it? Honestly, I mean, first off, like you said, like when you said, you know, like people, remember you had asked me how I felt about the twenty-five songs, and I was just like, I, you know, I don't mind that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not into, oh, you know, an artist, you know putting artists in this sort of confinement of like, you know, you got to play to having short projects and you got to play. People don't have the attention span. Like, I feel like we've jacked that in our mind. Like we've started to jack that. Oh, people don't have the attention span. We got to make stuff shorter. And I, I'm not really into that. Yeah. You know, um, well, where's the proof for this? Low yeah, attention span? <laughs> just be making this, we just be saying things. And I think a- a- become, anecdotal facts, anecdotal facts. Yes. And I think that we just be making things the case when they're really not. Um, and I think that also times often like, Ty Dalton is aware of that perception of the industry and where of the short songs and low attention span stuff. So him having 25 songs like going in, I knew it wasn't going to be 25, five minute songs. You know, I figured that they would be shorter songs, maybe some interludes transitions, which it was. And the project ran for what, like an hour? Early an hour. Yeah. So it ran for an hour. And I think that it was one of those projects that we're like, yo, this is crazy. The track list dropped. And I was like, did this man just get the R&B Avengers? Like, not just R&B. I mean, he had the Avengers, period. The music industry Avengers. Like, he had everybody on there from, had my guys, Anderson Pack, Thundercat, had Music Soul Child, had Lil Durk, had, had Black, had uh, Kehlani, had Nikki. Nikki's verse was crazy. Got in the mom bag. I'm telling you, <laughs> get in the mom bag. It's a different type of bag. It's yeah. a different, whole different type of bag. Uh, so... Uh, you know the project. I was excited just to see. It was like it was a it was a moment. I was in for the ride, yeah. and I will say this: it's early, very early. I know, I know, but I think that this is going to be Ty Dolla's magnum opus. I say this because it's one of those moments, like we were talking about. You know, having moments. 
um, of things coming together at the right time. Yeah. And I think you know you're talking about you know Ty Dollar is just it just I think it showed also how beloved he is within yes. the industry. So yeah, yeah, no, um, like you know I the, the the easiest way to circumvent the whole attention span problem is just make good music, and there there weren't too many skips on this project. Right, right, right. Um, so twenty five songs, one hour. Most songs were two minutes. The only song over three, I believe, was the um was the Black Music Soul Child Tish Hyman song yeah. Return, which is coincidentally one of my favorite songs on the project fire um going into it i wouldn't say i was on the fence there, there, there were like a couple features that i i didn't really like cuddy's feature i didn't like that much temptations was a really good song and i heard him coming i was like, mm, like i didn't think you really fit here <laughs> and post uh, on spicy I, I didn't really like post on spicy either i like the post i liked post i mean i don't really care for post like i right. don't hate him but don't like him yeah me neither I like dislike him i don't yeah but, like Post and Ty have a song Psycho that I love. Like I, I, yeah. I, I love when they're in that bag. Post in that upbeat rap bag, I don't really like it. Like like he like he he was on the Sweetie Tappan remix. I didn't think he needed to be there at all. That that wasn't his arena. But um yeah, like I really really enjoyed this album. Um I think you know Ty is the guy we talk about all the time. Ty don't mix. Ty is the parsi yeah. of the music industry. The part- blah blah blah. <laughs> like he makes he makes everyone's music better. So he he's been washing people on their songs for years. And we've been waiting on him for years. So I, like you said, everything came together at the right time. Like people have been questioning, oh, can Ty make a good album by himself? Like, is he going to make one because he's so busy helping other people make their albums better? It's like, yo, a free TC campaign, Beach House 3 exists. Say, like, My Ty exists. This is what I'd be talking about. When people <laughs> just be saying things. Yeah. And you read on Twitter, it's like a fact, oh, this Ty, just because he does a bunch of features, people don't read. Like his catalog, his standalone catalog is crazy. Yeah. And I think this album showed it. Like, he brought so many different people into his arena and held his own. Like, he was my favorite part of most songs. Oh, and also Quavo. I got to talk about Quavo. Quavo. <laughs> you smoked I, that joint. Yes. Like, you smoked that. <laughs> I, I love Quavo. And one thing I've accepted is, like, in terms, of, is. in terms of his features, he'll only give out, like, five super hard rap verses. And then everything else kind of feels a little lazy, but it's melodic and it's good. Ty Dolla got one of them rap verses. His verse on Freak is crazy. Quavo went stupid. If you are doubting Quavo's abilities as a rapper, listen to Freak. Listen. And then listen to it again. Oh, and then man. listen to it again. And run it back, Mars. Quavo did. Lil Durk, too. Like, Lil Durk is, is on a crazy Durk run. He, he killed Double R. So, yeah, I, I was really, really happy with the project. Um, I, I've ran it a bunch of times. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's grown on me. And I, and, I, and I think it's something that I'm going to continue listening to. And the thing with Ty is, like, like, like I said, we've been waiting for him for so long. So giving us 25 songs to sit with for a while is great. Like, he doesn't have to release again this year. He might, exactly. not, have to, he might not have to release again next year. And you know he's probably going to be on, like, 40 more features within the next year anyway. So you're going to hear him. Like, Ty never really goes away. So, yeah. Shout out to him for that. Uh, he, he killed that. Uh, Xavier Omar, if you feel... That man... Wow. There's not much to, there's really like, sometimes music is so good that you don't have much to say about it. Like, I, I, wow. I, just, I just put the album on and I just, I just, I'm, I'm taken to a place. Like, so, so much more is, is one of my favorite songs on there. He's got some great features. Uh, Jay Stevens, Maribel's on it. Um, sh- short project, you know, and what, like you were talking about, uh, like, and, and I think for R&B, short projects work too. Like, yeah. like for, for, for Ty, I, I was happy to get that much music. For someone like Xavier, he dropped last year. So like him him giving us a shorter product this year, 
be cool with it. And like it flowed well, it was sequenced well, it it, it, it did what it needed to do, and, and then it got out. And that's something that I've also seen a bunch of times as well. He, he's got a lot of gospel in it. Of course. Too, yeah. I love, I mean, I love it, that. It feels it feels like so much more, you know, you feel the when the choir comes in, it just Sam. the backgrounds. He sounds like a choir with his backgrounds. But yeah. um what I really enjoyed about the project is like, well, you know, I was sitting here hanging out with G and he was just painting and whatever. And we ran the project and it just it was in the background. It was just sitting, it was like, this is the perfect just ambiance music. It really took yeah. you to a place. And I feel like for artists like that who take you to a place, who take you put a set a scene and not, you know, he had some music stuff that was head bobber, but it was really yeah. like it felt like that soul it seeped into your soul type music yeah. that you run back because it, you know, it makes you feel something deep in your heart. Yeah. Uh, not it didn't feel that. like he was trying to hit any targets like you he, he no, was just making he, music emitting he was Genuine. emitting he was just yeah. emitting and i think that those type of projects um i think they they play well in a marketable commercial landscape when they are shorter because i feel like for those you can get lost into like we ran it four times and realized like we ran just like over and over, it's an easy and over. And we're like man it came we heard that song came back but it was like it's too good don't turn it off <laughs> um, and i think his voice is naturally very soothing it kind of lulls you into this, you know, you catch his, on his wave. And I, I really enjoy, I mean, musically, I really enjoyed it. I'm excited to sit with it a lot more. Yeah. And I was always, I was, he was on my radar for sure. Like, you know, as like someone that I'm like, wow, I'm inspired by him. I, yeah. I enjoy his music, but this really solidified for me. Um, I, I, it's funny. I was like kind of making the comparison to me, for the people who know Xavier, this feels like, uh, like Brent Fries' last project so far as like, the moment that it could be for him. Yes. Um, so I think that people who aren't aware of Xavier are going to get aware of Xavier mm-hmm. uh, because this, this music is great. And also what I love, he found artists that where I think, you know, people don't, don't have such big names, mm-hmm. but their talent is just, yeah. I'm like the, the, the level of talent. It literally had me every five. Who's this? Mm-hmm. Who's this? Yeah. Who's this? Like, Oh, it's this person, this person. So I think, he did a great job of curating, or his A&R, whoever put together the features, of curating features that I think were about the music. The music seemed to be first. Yes. Not, not, not the look, not, not, not the marketability, like just making good music. It was the music was first on this project, and you felt it. So yeah. a real, real, it's my favorite project of the, of the weekend, yeah. of, of the, sure. the releases. So, yeah. Uh, another really good project, the Amanda Tape by They. Not hip today, get hip today. I I, oh. I I don't think I've ever steered y'all wrong. If I have, I apologize. I I, I think this one, I'm right. I, I got to hear the project a little early. Ten songs, uh, Tanache on it, Juicy J on it, Wale is on it. They they did their thing. Not not to make a corny joke, like they literally did their thing. Um, it, I, again, there's, I, I don't really have much to say about it. Like they got like they got into their, their toxic. Filling this bag a little bit, you know, real. I I love that swagger, cocky R and B where it's like, yeah. you know, you want me, you you know, you want me. <laughs> so why are we playing? Why are you with that guy when you know you want me? Yeah. You're all mine, like all mine. Um, STCU. Um, that was just that was, I was bro, like, oh boy. They talking about shooting clubs up. Listen, all right. listen, <laughs> on the here. record, we here unfiltered, baby. Um, so. Yeah, tap into the day and then I, I, I don't, I don't want to speak too much on it. And like, and like, I, I want y'all to hear it. I, I want y'all to hear this music and experience. Um, Ariana Grande, she's back. 
she put out a new single, Positions. I thought it was cool. I I, I, I like love it. You know, it, I'm, it I'm was, waiting for the album. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. She she's one of those people where I I'm, I'm ready for the album. Now, something that I did love, Damage by Her. Mm. 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 The video, the vocals, the production, just her, just her essence, her aura. <sighs> Sigh. Her is the love of my life. She's everything. <laughs> she love. is everything. <laughs> I mean, I. Where do I start? I think what for me has been the most gratifying thing of just kind of just being a huge you know follower of hers and a fan of hers is seeing the development. Yeah, it go from for me you know there's one side of it just seeing like her musical t- abilities is you know at there's no ceiling to them. Yeah, you know she's multi instrumentalist, songwriter, vocalist, all of the above. And it's been great to see her as she's gotten a little older, because she's a little younger than us. As she's gotten older, the image now she's coming out of it. You know, it feels like she's blossoming. Like yeah. it's just this amazing flower that's growing. And I'm super excited. This, this track was like immediately locked me in. I'm just like, wow, she's getting to the like the sexy vibe. Like, oh, mm-hmm. like I'm like, wait, hold on. Hold on, I'm out here yelling at the at the TV, watching the video. Like this is wild. I'm looking it. respectfully. I am looking <laughs> respectfully. I'm seeing. I'm visualizing <laughs> everything about you. Um, most, you know, like I said, respectful way. Respectfully, yeah. And and it, it was cool to see her get playful. You know, she had no instrument this time. Just her in front of the. You know, yeah. it was crazy. Hair was laid glasses clear glasses and looking in our eyes mm. just the set was great and i love that for her um you know no pun i love that the instrument the talent has always been in the front yep it's always been about the music it's always been about showcasing showcasing her and the band mm-hmm. it's always been about that and i really really enjoy that i love that for her <laughs> i love that for r&b i love that for artists who feel like you know, how do I showcase my instrument being, you know, my talent, yeah. showcase my musicianship. And I think that that's something she's making that cool for a lot of people. And, yeah. you know, she, I think she said it in instruments. I mean, in, in, in instruments, she said it in interviews that like making instruments are becoming cool again. And I love that. And there's a bunch of artists doing it, obviously, too, like Laban Kali. There's a bunch of other artists I can think of. Yeah. Um, Cautious Clay, another multi-instrumentist. but. I I'm really excited about this. So I just had to take that moment to to love on her. Yeah. We're gonna be seeing uh, her shortly. We are. Woo! Um also her joined up with a legend. Tony Braxton gotta move on. Look, Tony's just vocally is just there's nothing to say bad about Tony Braxton's vocals. Elite nothing to say. Nothing like there's never a bad time to hear Tony Braxton music, and to see her link up with her, like for, for her to be getting these looks from Brandy, Tony Braxton, and like you know we know how how, how she came up, like she's been groomed, like Alicia yeah. Keys mentored her and all that, but her, like her manager too is very plugged. Of course, yeah, yeah, he's, but he's one of the guys. I think at this point, because we've been you know we, we've still been waiting for for the debut album from her and all that, so to see her getting 
these looks and to see her come in and like hold her own like she's not just working with these legends she's she's collaborating she's she's bringing yeah. things out of she's them she's bringing too. value she's bringing value like I, one sided thing I, it, it feels like it, i don't want to call it like competitiveness but it's just like these these artists see what she does and they're like yeah. oh, I'm, I'm not going to get on the track with her and just <laughs> and just half ass me oh no like i'm i'm bringing yeah. it so again that's another track yeah i really just got to listen to it um finally uh tiller bryson tiller dropped the always forever video with kehlani in there the dumb visuals bro this video was i like i screamed <laughs> i was like oh when she they they kissed in the mouth m-o-u-f mm-hmm. and i was just like wow the mm-hmm. energy the chemistry they had on screen was was amazing mm-hmm. uh i i, I love that and i like I tell you, the, the mom bag is different. Kaylani has been everywhere. She's not taking her foot off the gas. She's been everywhere. And yeah. it's so great to see her doing that. I'm curious if she's ever going to start getting into the acting bag. Uh, very curious about that. But yeah, um, I, 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 I enjoyed the video. The song to me is like, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the new music. Uh, yeah. But the video for me, was it was the video. So, yeah, I've I really enjoyed the song when it first dropped, but but this is one of those videos that that break that gives the song like a whole new life. It's like, oh, all right, of course, like okay, yeah, and I, I, and with the way Kaylani was like doing her videos throughout the the quarantine, like I wouldn't be surprised if she was involved with the direction or the production of that video. She's got she's clearly got that eye for just making some exactly. making some stuff real real dope. Um, so shout out to them yeah, for that. Cool. Um, and with that, what you sipping on, brother? I am slipping on. Dramatic pause. Toco tea. <laughs> I've okay. drank this before. No, it's nothing special. Um, no, I just feel like my voice was tired for this week. I was in the studio doing a bunch of other stuff, yelling a lot. So I needed some rejuvenation. I see you got your your booch, kombucha. Big booch. Big booch. What flavor you got? Oh, you got the big joint. I didn't realize. Big joint. Okay. Trilogy. Yeah, it's a I good flavor. No, it's like a it's like a bunch of muddled uh, fruits mixed in yeah. to that one. But y'all, I, we have a, actually a very interesting half and half today, and I think it's going to create an interesting conversation uh, that might go into the board meeting a little bit. But anyways, so this is coming from the LA Times. This article is uh, written by his name is Randall Roberts. Shout out to Randall Roberts. Really interesting conversations that I wanted to bring in an expert on for this. So the title of this is For Music Archivists, A Contemporary Dilemma. Should racist songs from our past be heard today? And I think we should be having this conversation with a man, none other than Mr. Colin Hancock. So if Colin, you want to come on here and show us your your face and talk to us a little bit. Colin, what's going on, man? Talk to the people. Tell guys. Them- yeah, up, tell, tell the people who you are, why you've been brought in today to share a, bit, a little bit about this, your expertise. Sure. So first off, hey, everyone, I'm Colin Hancock. So happy to be here on Stay Busy Pod. Uh, I think what you guys are doing is just absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, I'm a grad student at Columbia University. Uh, went to Cornell with these guys when I was younger. Um, but I'm also a jazz musician and jazz historian. Um, in my 
spare time, I spend a lot of time doing research on the earliest years of jazz and the music that developed into jazz. Um, sort of a focus on like the last two decades of the 19th century into the first four decades of the 20th. Um, and so when Nick contacted me about uh, speaking on here uh, and I was reading the article, I was really interested to see that it involved Dust to Digital, which is a label I actually just helped with another release they're working on right now um, on a band from back then, but it's a little bit wow. different subject material. But, two yeah. Ivy League degrees and you're helping labels. Look at him. Okay. That's it. Well, it was more it was more about identifying uh, a particular musician on some recordings, but yeah, different thing. Very nice. Good. So what, what we want to talk about this, this article. So this article basically goes on to uh, speak about people, the, the owners of Dusted Digital, producers, the white husband and wife duo. I would love to produce with my wife. But <laughs> husband and wife duo, uh, Lance and April Ledbetter, um, they finished a copy of a box set called the Harry Smith B-Sides. Um, so basically the story goes to the article this talks about the story of these uh basically what they're doing so music archivists for people who don't understand is basically people who curate um the curators in a, in a, in a sense is that right is that fair to say colin yeah. you know curators of a specific time period of music uh, in this case so the music historians and so the dilemma that they are reaching on they had basically created this project where they were sort of doing like a continuation set of another anthology set called the 1952 collection of uh it's called the anthology of american folk music this was collected by harry smith who was a, a, a experimental filmmaker artist and collector so on and so forth his uh project i think we have 78 i think had 78 tracks on there yeah and so oh, you have you have it in the back yeah yeah on the wall. oh wow see look this is perfect yeah so in the background there uh, and so they created an 84 CD, 84 track project that was basically a follow up to Harry Smith's set. And so they had compiled this this set and it took them about five years to put together through the licensing, all the different things that they had to go through. And in the set, uh, there were three songs that had racist language or inappropriate language for today's climate. Um, you know, using the N-word, using different other slurs and things, you know, talking about specific topics of lynching and things like that in a negative light. And what was interesting is that they had had the, the box set all ready to go. They had had it on the pallets ready to, to be shipped out. And the husband, it talks in the beginning of the article, Lance, he was at, they were at a farmer's market and he heard the, one of his friends who they were supporting one of the farmers selling at the market. He was playing the music. And from Harry, uh, from Harry Smith's box set, and he had heard the songs, and he saw the room, and he said, "There's white people in here, there's black people in here, there's Hispanic people in here. This is just all types of room." He said, "We gotta change the song because." And initially, they had just put in the liner notes in the albums that these three songs have racist language, and so you know, not to go on and bore you with the details, they eventually ended up pulling those songs off of the project, um, reshipping it, redoing everything, and taking those songs off the project. And I think it creates an interesting dilemma and discussion about, you know, what is our responsibility um, to be historical and report the facts and acknowledge America's terrible past, but also, you know, be sensitive and be current to the times now. And so I think, Colin, this is where I want you to sort of take over and just kind of like discuss your thoughts about the article and what you think um, the implications are of trying to be historically accurate, but also at the same time, you know, be sensitive to today's climate. Absolutely. So... It's a discussion that particularly in the past 
five or six months, um, really in the wake of, of the George Floyd murder and the resultant um, racial, tensions, racial tensions in the United States, um, has been on the minds of many artists who deal with art from back then, be it in performance or research. Um, and the consensus has seemed to be that there are a lot of issues that have needed to have been addressed, um, dealing with not only the, uh, subject material, uh, you know, and the use of race, racist language, but also the performers and the stories behind those performers and everything like that. So, Mm -hmm. um, when I, when I read this article, it, it was definitely like nothing new, but it was a nice sort of reminder of, of this discussion that's been going on. And yeah. the, the, the first parallel, I think, that I think of um, as a jazz musician, I played jazz music from the early, you know, from like the 1920s, basically. Like that's mm-hmm. my area of focus, which in the time was called hot jazz or just jazz. Okay. Um, and it has been since often given the nickname Dixieland jazz right, right um which dixieland is a reference to the mason dixon line which was the line separating the north from the south during the civil war dixieland being the south um so some people were or are offended by the word dixieland and of course there's also a generation of people who use the word and are like well it's just a word that we use mm-hmm. so like that tension the, the tension around these words and everything exists in the music but i think from from a historical point of view that complete deletion of these things is not necessarily a good idea. Yeah. I think that because there is a huge difference between a recording uh from, you know, 1895 versus a civil war monument to like a Confederate general for instance. Because monuments are permanent and they're permanent statements that are meant to kind of portray something and say that this is it. Whereas a record is a captured moment that is completely contextual and Mm -hmm. completely subjective because it's an artistic performance. And it also has that side of the story where who is the artist? And I think the best example would be the first star of the recording industry. I think I've I've spoken with you, Nick, about this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. George W. Johnson, who was born into slavery in Virginia, and then after slavery moved to New York and sang on the streets in New York. But he made a killing doing that. Um, And I I don't know if it was Thomas Edison, but it was somebody in those early, early days of the industry. We're talking 1889, 1890. um, Heard him. And they had this new fangled machine to play people's voices back. Mm -hmm. And he had a very projecting voice that was really suited for it. So they said, we'll pay you, you know, a certain amount for you to come in the studio and make these recordings. Mm -hmm. And he said, sure, absolutely. And he becomes a known name and the first star of the industry because he's the first one who people recognize. But the unfortunate thing is a lot of the songs that he had to record because of the social circumstances of 1890, particularly for a black man in the limelight had racial imagery and words. Does that mean we should completely forget about George W. Johnson and his recordings? Absolutely not. In fact, I think it's an amazing opportunity to look at how, despite all of the terrible things that he had to deal with, 
he was able to become the star. And right. George W. Johnson is what you remember, not those recordings. You remember George W. Johnson, who was born into slavery and died in, uh, having been in a photo of all of the staff of the Edison artists and everything. Everyone's white except George W. Johnson. And so, that's what's important. So question about those songs. Was it, was it sort of like a self-deprecating nature to the songs? Like, was he talking about like... Some of the, them, some of them were like, you know, him, like, you know, basically, you know, stemming from like minstrelsy, like him pr- okay. portraying a character. Uh, but other ones were more just kind of like, uh, just happy, you know, kind of like vaudeville sounding tunes. From so pe- some people might argue though, that that is like, obviously the, 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 the time, you know, yeah. him being the first artist of, you know, recording and stuff like that. People might argue that that's him selling out or that's him, you know, uh, trying to be, you know, like just playing to the system for his own yeah. personal gain. Well, how do you feel about that? Um, for the people who have maybe, I guess, I don't know if that's an opinion that's, that's talked about in your world at all. No. But yeah. Well, uh, I think I would say to people who say that, do your, do your homework, first of all, and look at what <laughs> black artists were writing and doing in 1890. Um, another amazing example is Burt Williams, who had the first, all, I think, all black production on Broadway in like 192 or 191 called Indahomey. Mm-hmm. Um, and the imagery was all set in a village in Africa. And of course, now, if you look at that and you, you, you see like people in like Zulu, like war garb in like mm-hmm. a poster for it, you're going to say that's racist. And like, it is racist by modern standards, but in 1900, it was yeah. a celebration of black culture on the stage. Yeah. Um, and of course, I'm not saying that there weren't things in it that were negative because there absolutely were things in it that were negative. Right, right, right. But you can't jump from 1890 or 1900 to 2020 without thinking about everything that happened in between. And right. what happened in between in 1900, Burt Williams takes a step forward by saying, I'm going to have a show on Broadway and I'm yeah. going to do what it takes to get there. And the steps keep going until you get to now. Right. So, so it's also like that battle of like trying to break through for black artists and, and yes. push them through, push them forward and kind of like, you know, taking some of the taking some of the, you know, the bad with the good you know, yeah. in a way. Um, so I just want to kind of bring it to, to current today's standards. So yeah. the, back to the article, Lance and April Ledbetter decided to take those three songs off. Yeah. Um, one of them being uh, the song of I forget the name of the song, but. Uh, it was, let me get the name of the song really quick. It was the Bill, uh, Bill and Bell Reads 1929 song, You Shall Be Free, which trades in racial stereotypes and language featuring a lyric about three black men running through a field, one of them whom has a, neck, a noose around his neck. Yeah. Um, and so bringing it to today's stands and today's climate, they decided to take the three songs off of the, the series. Do you think that that was a responsible decision? And what does that sort of mean for other curators who are trying to, like you say, dust the digital and other, uh, I guess, labels or organizations that are trying to bring this sort of music into the digital age and tell us our story about the history of music and whatnot. So what do you think about that? Was it a responsible decision for them to do that? Yeah. I mean, I think given the current situation, I understand their decision. I think that's the first thing I want to say. Like, I, I don't think that it was a rash decision at all. Um, would I have taken them off? No, but I think that given the situation, given their concern uh, for 
how people are feeling right now and also just in making a statement about these songs, yeah. I, I don't disagree with their decision. But I, w- I personally wouldn't do it because, as I was kind of saying earlier, like I think that it's part of the story and the musical story of the United States. Right. Now, I, I will say this. Um, if I were compiling the entire thing, you know, going back to, you know, 1955 or whenever it was originally put together, I think that of the original choices, there could have been better ones, particularly even to portray um, the, the era of slavery that were sung from a black perspective by right. black artists. Right, right, that right. I think would have been, if they were going to do the replacement, I think it's one thing to be like, we're going to take these off. And it's another thing to be like, we're going to take these off and replace them with something by black artists. And I'm sure they would say something like, oh, well, how many examples of that are there? But they exist. They yeah. absolutely exist. Um, now, it's a tricky thing, um, I think, to say whether whether or not it's right or wrong to like cancel some of these recordings and stuff like that. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they're going to exist unless like, you know all audio transfers of them get destroyed and the original records all <laughs> somehow get destroyed. So like, that's one thing, like they're going to be there. But the other thing is like, um, there's an element of ability to reclaim this music for okay. black folks, honestly, yeah. um, that has not been realized until recently. And mm-hmm. I think what's more powerful than removing these, uh, these racist songs and stuff and, and perpetuating the distance black people have to music from back then. I think what really should be done is more of a celebration of the black artists and what they did back then, because the art that black artists created from what with George W. Johnson, the very beginning of the industry um, until now has just been so wonderful. And in the earliest years of the industry in particular, despite the difficulty that African-American artists had to go through, they managed to create some just amazing pieces of art, some dealing with race, a lot of them not dealing with race, just dealing with them being people and and black culture. And like these things are the things that need to be focused on. If if you want to right the wrongs of back then, you should make it so that these masterpieces are appreciated for once instead of looked at as like, you know, um, like, Oh, it was a tough time back then. Like, yes, it was a tough time. And Duke Ellington still wrote black beauty and it's an amazing piece of music. Like let's listen to it and give it the attention it deserves. You know, I think that's a more relevant and more effective way to approach it. If that makes sense. Colin Hancock, man. Thank you so much for, for sharing with us. That was that was that was podcast. That podcast was <laughs> in a podcast. No, I thanks, appreciate. Thanks that. for having me, guys. This is a lot of fun. so so interesting. Um, I, I think that's really important for us to you know think about, uh, just in today's social current you know climate and that's been going on since before that when that music came out is that black artists are important. Black artists have created the musical genius, and that America has a sick past in all industries and in all lanes. And so, um, thank you for coming in, bringing your expertise, and highlighting that for us, my brother. We we don't get often get jazz historians on stay busy <laughs> yeah. so we, we cover everything so thank you my man appreciate you dog we'll see you soon thank you again colin
Colin Hancock, everyone, gave us a podcast and a podcast. That was half and half with a little extra, a little, a little extra sugar for you. Um, we want to shout out our employee of the month once again, Prime. Our boy. Uh, from there, we're going to jump into the slide deck. So take us home, Frank. The best song wasn't the single, but you weren't either. All right, um, y'all know the deal. We, we only play the heat. What you bring for me early? My album of the year mm-hmm. from B7. This is Say Something by Brandy, produced by Sean Wander, Price, Vania Kella Perry, DJ Camper, and Brandy. Some things that I thought was a fact Said some things that I could never take back Figures of speech, I put you on the map You take back promises, where did they go? Acting out for no one's there for the show Hurt you my bad, but how low can you go? Say something, something to believe again Tell me to believe you Think you're gonna need me someday I think I think my favorite song from the project is Bye Bipolar, but this is hard. Bye Bipolar. That's the last track on the uh, on the project, y'all. B7, Brandy, the vocal. She is the template. I'm sorry. <laughs> she is everything, man. Uh, I really love that song. Great production. Great writing. She heats up in the second half even more. And where that pro- that song is is placed on the project, it's just such a moment. Um, I think it's actually the last of a four-song run that I think me and DeAndre, who's one of my great friends, we talk about all this music all the time. But and a lot of people we've also talked to about is that that is the end of the of this major run within the project. It's like a four four track run um, that it just brings the tracks the project to such a moment, and it's such a powerful statement. Um, so I think of what she's trying to say in the project, what she's saying in the songs prior, and so I just really love the song, the delivery. She just she's always giving a masterclass on vocal delivery, on runs, on placement, on dynamics, everything. So. Brandy, that was I loved loved it. Yeah. What do you have for me, good sir? Uh, so I brought today a track by the name of "It Can Be." This is by Knowledge and No Worries. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. The, well, the, 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 the X always throws me off when they when they put it. Put it. Is no so no worries. I think no worries is the group of him and Pack. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this is produced uh, by Knowledge. Let's nice. jump into it. Believe me, it's me and you to the end. Yeah. So nice. I don't even know how it feels. 
Sounds like a Saturday morning. You smell like grits cooking. Oh. You, you're, you're cleaning, or, or yeah. you're driving somewhere with, with your grandma. I don't know. It just it, 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 it took me to a place. It took me home. It took me. I'm, it's so funny that we're talking about this because, like, you automatically saw a scene. I felt the same. I love Pac's voice. Mm-hmm. Pac, classic soul voice delivery. The rasp, the timbre, yeah. the tone, and it's delivered. Obviously, you know. With Tell them what voice. a timbre is. Timbre. I the way I just the way I describe it is vocal quality, mm-hmm. um, like the vo- I can get the actual definition. I'm um, looking at the actual definition. It's the character or quality oh of a musical sound or voice as distinct from its pitch and intensity. So that. timbres obviously can be unique, and so his timbre specifically, the the, the tone, the, the quality of the sound is just mm-hmm. for me something that's so so warm. It's so classic. It's so uh, feels so familiar. It feels so yeah. close to home, and yeah. so I love him on a track like that. So, oh, just so sampled, just beautiful ride out on the yeah. beat. Took me back home. I'm from California. For those who don't know, it took me back home. Just you know, in my local city, just you know, windows down, arm out the out the car, just kind of leaning, just <laughs> riding, just cause nowhere to go, just out for a drive, nowhere to really go. Sunday afternoon, maybe yeah. you know, what I'm saying, going to get some food or whatever it is, and just. Let impact take me there. So wow. Yeah. No, nah, that was, was, uh, was beautiful. The other night, usually I, I I can always figure out like an album to listen to or something. The other night I was sitting up writing, smoking, whatever, trying to find something to play. I just went to my made for you section on Spotify, put on Discover Weekly, found this. So if, if we can't stress it enough, use them them Spotify curated playlists because they know you and they know what you want to hear at, at the right time. This they do. I, I, I just had this joint on repeat. I had to pack the bong again. It was it was it was it was, <laughs> it was like that. It was like that. Um, so yeah, shout out to them for that track. As y'all know, Stay Busy Slide Deck playlists available on all platforms. Hit the link tree in our Instagram bio or our Twitter bio. Artists, if you send us some slides, you know the deal. I'm, I'm not gonna get too animated this time, but you know. <laughs> What to do? You know what to do. <laughs> that said, you ready for the board meeting, my brother? I am ready. So, you know, working in music and rising up and meeting people and doing good work, um, you naturally make more connections. Your 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 audience grows, your reach grows, and you experience a lot of different things. I will say, having been in the industry for damn near five years, and I was crazy to say that. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen that. Even adults can have some like petty high school clickish kind of behavior. Let's let's just call a spade a spade. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of people who you know it's it, 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 it can get a little nasty. Um, and so there's this app that came out. Um, it's been out for a little bit, but it, it kind of found its way into the music industry within the last month called Clubhouse. 
I was invited to. I've, I've been on the app for like a little under a month now, maybe a month. I, I don't even know. Time's flown by. Right. Um, but, you know, the way Nick and I describe it, because we're, we're both on it, it's like networking panels, meeting music nerds, meeting those those artists who drop SoundCloud links in your replies, meeting high school clicks. It's kind of like, it's got like the, the professionalism and the networking of, of, of LinkedIn with the uh, freedom to listen and not engage like a podcast. Then you can also engage and talk to people like Zoom, but there's no video. So it's, you can be looking crazy on there and still talk. And you have the option of jumping in and jumping out uh, freely. So there's been some really fun rooms I've been in. I was invited by uh, Tori McHugh. Uh, we had her last uh, last season, uh, March. Yeah, shout out Tori. Uh, shout out Tori. Uh, her, her, her and Derek, they wanted to talk about Drake and like the future of music. They were like, yeah, we're going to invite you to Clubhouse. It's like, okay, whatever. Like I saw people talking about it, but I, I, I didn't really know what it was. So I got on and it just seemed like, you know, the coolest thing, like punch from TDE pops into our room. And like mm-hmm. Derek was like, yeah, Scooter Braun just pops in randomly. So like, <laughs> like right. you don't know who you're talking to and you don't know who's listening to you. Um, but it's, 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 it's really cool because like people have been really, um, people really sling the follow backs, like, like people who might not follow you back on Twitter will, will, will follow you on, <laughs> on, on clubhouse because you know, they, they see like, you, you never know, like there's, there's rooms of like black trivia and there's, and there's rooms, yeah. where, there's rooms where they've had some very, very real conversations that, uh, and I had, my had first room part. I was ever in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I kind of just want to talk about, you know, the app as a whole, because it, it, it really strikes me as a microcosm of first the world, but also the music industry at large. Um, I, th- I think the app itself, the tool is amazing. Um, the, the freedom, yeah. the, the, you know, the fact that you can listen and you don't have the pressure of, of engaging. You can literally connect to anyone. You can talk to anyone. You can start your own rooms. There's themed rooms. There's club rooms. They have a whole schedule for the day of different stuff you can pop into. So, like, you know, um, when when Nick and I first got on it, it it just seemed like this whole vast world. It's like, yo, like, I'm I'm about to be sitting here talking to, you know, this person or that person. Um, And like most things, there was some immediate backlash. Um, people who weren't on Clubhouse saw it as like this exclusive Illuminati uh, music industry thing <laughs> where like, oh, you know, people hating outside the club, whatever. But then yeah, even people in. who are like on the app were kind of negative toward it too. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just always the type of person, I'm just like, I, I, I would rather say nothing than like, you know, say something negative because like if Clubhouse isn't for me, Clubhouse isn't for me. I've, I've enjoyed it. I'm not on it as actively as I was when I first got on it. Yeah. It's not as like, exciting and, and that's just that's just the natural progression of a lot of things like something is it's really cool to you and then you use it and like it's like drake said meeting all, meeting all my heroes like seeing how magic works like once you peek behind the curtain and you use something long enough and also it's like i interact with most of these people on twitter or instagram or discords or right. whatever anyways so right. like it's it's kind of it's but i i think it is very interesting and and i think it's going to go in a really interesting direction once it opens up more like there are a lot more people getting on it um which is like Kind of good. I've been talking about, so I don't, you know, I, I definitely no, no, feel free to jump fine. in. You're fine. But um, you know, it's it's just it's the 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 social kind of constructs around something like this is like the most interesting thing to me because like you know people almost feel entitled to being on Clubhouse. Like, oh, I I work in music. I'm an artist. I'm a songwriter. Like, so, so someone invite me. Like, why am I not on Clubhouse? Invite me to Clubhouse. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's it almost feels like this thing that like people are striving to be involved in to be cool and almost to the point where i feel and not that it's losing its purpose but the purpose kind of gets watered down when it's just something that people are kind of 
tr striving to attain to have some status like oh oh you're not on clubhouse i'm on clubhouse i was in this room with you know to derek or i was in this room with nick or i was you know so yeah i I'm, i have so many thoughts on it like i i think it's a really great app i think there i think people people it's it, things can be great and the people get involved and kind of make them bad um and so yeah i'm, I'm just really fascinated by by the app and you know it's 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 made me think a lot about like how I interact, how I kind of see things, because, you know, I, I can speak as a, as a, you know, I don't call myself an aspiring journalist anymore. That's, that's what I am. I, I, I do this. But when, when I was aspiring, you know, there were a lot of people that I wanted to interact with, um, writers who I, you know, wanted to read my work or wanted to impress. And then like, you kind of interact with these people, you know, they follow you back and you see like, oh, they're, they're actually not as cool as I thought, you know, <laughs> they were going to be like, oh, you're really not <clears throat> that big of a deal. I think that's what people's experience on Clubhouse is because at the end of the day, like I said, like a lot of these people we kind of interact with already. Um, so it's like there's there there's a really great purpose for it. Like like we 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 have some friends who got on it and they've been like obsessed with it. Like yo, like this is this is incredible. And, you know, yeah. I, I I love that for you know people who are you know still trying to get up there and like broaden their network and meet mm -hmm. producers yeah, 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 yeah. songwriters and stuff like that so i i think that the app itself as a tool is incredible i'm just i'm concerned for its uh longevity because of how people operate within the music industry i think naturally that's when you say that uh i think i think it's the app the idea so the concept of, you know, the drop-in conversations for me was the greatest thing is that it's yeah. like, it demystifies the whole aura of, uh, of, you know, the music industry of these people that you think about the, you know, the names. I think for me being someone that, you know, as an artist, I think what was great for me is to start to put faces to the, I, these, these positions and ideas that I thought, you know, someone out there is the head of this that does that, you know, like for the, someone out there is the head of music partnerships for this company, but I can't find that information or that, you know, it, it puts the faces to these, these big companies and these big names, big ideas that you have always thought about. And I think what is the greatest part about it, if you use Clubhouse for the networking, for the resource that it is, I think that the best part about it is that it's very informal. And I think that's the best way to get to know people. I think that's the best way to make an impression. I think that's the best way to be, you know, lasting in people's minds. You know, I had been in, in, a, in a room. And the thing about the, the, the rooms, too, is that when you, you know, when you, when people, for those who don't understand this, the way the rooms are structured, the rooms are tiered. Basically, there's speakers in the room and you can see who the speaker is. It's the icon. And when they're speaking, their name kind of flashes. Their, their icon flashes and you can see who's speaking. Uh, and like they said, there's no visual aspect. So that's the cool part about it, I think, is that it, it also is just you, it forces people to be attentive yeah. right? and force people to listen. Or you can just kind of casually just see what's going on. So it's tiered with the speakers then the people who are kind of followed by the speakers. Um, and then there's it says others in the room. I think that also subconsciously creates an air of like, oh, you know, like. Oh, they're followed by who are these people that are followed by the speakers? They must yeah. be doing things. And, you know, you can look at people, you can click the icon and see what these people are doing. And, you know, people fill out their bio saying, you know, I do music at this, or I am a journalist at this, or I'm a fashion blogger at this, or I'm a, you know, head of this. Yeah. And so you can, like, man, this dude was just in here talking about cheeseburgers. Like, <laughs> this is crazy. Like, and so, like I said, it also it allows people, it demystifies that sort of, veil that we talk about of you know how the magic is made how the sausage is made so on and so forth and so i 
have found it to be a positive experience. I mean, there's a there's pockets of of Clubhouse too that's great. Is it? Yeah. I've been really getting involved in trying to network and, and uh, get information about you know the, the gems that these people are sharing it are priceless. This you know for the people who don't know the, the context of the app, it started with VC venture capital people so like they were in there just having conversations about these amazing huge deals of you know, angel investing all this sort of stuff that's happening in the business and tech world um and it's broadened into other worlds and there's pockets for fashion people there's pockets for content creators there's pockets for the music industry people and obviously a lot of it is you know us sometimes i think the rooms feel like us listening in on conversations of friends and because a lot of these people know each other. You know, a lot of people have been in the industry for a long time. And you look and see, oh, it's it's this famous artist manager. Oh, it's this big, huge publicist. Oh, it's this head of, of visual contact at this major, you know, platform or whatever it is. And they're all just talking, like I said, talking about cheeseburgers or talking about that one time at the, you know, in Atlanta where they had the ratchet experience or whatever it was at the, you know, outside the strip club, whatever it was. <laughs> you, know, they, yeah. you know, they be talking about everything. But I think the best ones, like I was on a panel, I wasn't on the panel, but I was in a room where they're talking about artist uh, management, the definition of artist management. And they've been having that room, I feel like, pretty recurring. Yeah. Um, but in there was her manager, Jeff. Uh, he also managed Alicia Keys. He managed a few other artists, but he was he was kind of like the OG in the room. And, the, you know, all the other managers, I mean, these people, these are big artist managers, Kyle's manager, Super Duper Kyle, his manager was in there. I mean, a bunch of producers, you know, 21 Savage, all these these different people were in that room talking about artist management. And for me as an artist, it was great to hear the gems that they were talking about how to you know, push the artist, how to interact with labels, how to do these sort of things. And so it can be a great tool for information. I peer, I also kind of am of the mindset that people who feel as if, you know, it's like, you know, there's an exclusivity or I feel left out or that when I go in here, there's nothing, they're just talking about the same thing. How many times are you going to talk about, you know, this sort of topic in in the room it, to me it's just like you're missing the point yeah to me the point is that in any room at any time something could happen interesting wise or there could be a nugget of information that you need or there could be you know you get to connect with somebody on an informal level and then you'll meet them in person hey we spoke on clubhouse about you know about uh you know our favorite cars that one day you remember you know you never know what that is and i think that those are the most natural interactions and those natural relationships that stem from that sort of thing yeah. and so um i i've honestly had a great experience of it i mean i too i think as you know as journalists it's a little different you mm-hmm. know because i think for artists we're kind of like you know people are like okay you're an artist mm-hmm. we get it stay yeah. over there, stay <laughs> over there. okay well i'll listen i'll listen to your music it's okay just stay over there Whereas journalists, I think, are you know you guys are back in the in the back room in the back office, you know, making stuff happen and putting stuff out, and so I think you guys get more insight to connect more dots naturally because you know as a journalist you got to talk to publicists, you got to talk to managers, you got to talk because I want to feature your artist on my publication, I want to do a story, so I got to know the team, and over time that stuff, you know, it grows, and so you have you guys build networks naturally through your work. So I think it's more challenging for other people, for content creators or individuals to try to make things happen. So I've taken advantage of, of the, 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 how do I say it, the knowledge hub that Clubhouse is, yeah. uh, from, especially from the podcast thing, trying to learn about podcasting and how to make that better and you know producing, all these sort of things. So I like the app, but I'm curious to say, like, once it becomes you know, out of beta testing, and it goes into this larger 
mainstream sort of thing, it can get interesting because, you know, obviously they're going to have to put an algorithm together, basically curate a feed of rooms for you to access for people to understand. There's like a hallway section. So the hallway is like, it shows you what rooms are happening and it puts different names of people you follow. Maybe you just, you know, people you've been in rooms with, whatever. Um, and I like how people are getting creative with the rooms. Like there's a room called the cotton club where they're in there and they're like, you know, you have to change your picture to like a certain thing. It's like almost like creating like a virtual speakeasy feel and there's music playing and it's really, it's, you know, people are getting really creative with the stuff. And, and so I've, I found this to be a great resource. And so I'm not taking it too seriously. You know, I'm not trying to be, you know, so familiar with people that, you know, like I'm expecting, Oh, you know, for things to happen out of it. But, you know, I, I think it's, it, it is what it is. And I think that it serves its purpose for, for a while, for sure. Yeah. I love that you focused on the informal thing. Cause I think, um, you know, it does a good job Boy. humanizing people. Like you and I Boy. had a conversation in that one room. We were talking about wings, like the best, best wing spots that we've been at. And I'll tell you, bro, like, you know how much I love music. Everyone knows how much I love music. I'm talking about music all the time. But I don't want to talk about music all the time just because I'm talking time. about it all the time. So to get in a room with dope publicists, dope A&Rs, and be talking about wings, <laughs> it's, it's just such a, a nice, refreshing change from what, what I'm usually doing. So that's something that I've, I've really um, enjoyed about it. But yeah, I, I completely agree. Like there's, there's a lot to get from this app. If you, if like what you're looking for as an artist or as someone just trying to uh, rise up in, in the music industry, you can find it in clubhouse and you can, you know, talk to people. You just got to kind of make sure that you know what you're talking about as well. Because like, yeah, when you have the floor, like people are listening, like people are very respectful about, you know, not talking over you. So, you know, like when you do get the floor, you got to make sure that you really, uh, yeah get out there but yeah i just wanted to talk about the app as a whole kind of put people on to what's going on in in, mm-hmm. in, 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 the, in the music industry i'm sure many of you have seen tweets about clubhouse some of you have seen uh some listeners have, have joined it i hope you've enjoyed it um a stay busy room is coming soon so <laughs> so okay. y'all going y'all going to talk to us and you know, hopefully get to experience it i'm I'm, I, I think I got some invites. I might, I might, I might sling out a few invites. Just, just, just tweet me, tweet me if you want to invite. I'll invite you to Clubhouse. You can see what's going on. Um, just make sure that you know, because you, you, it shows you who who nominates who. So if 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 you're in there wilding and people see that I brought you in, it, it reflects bad badly on me. So yeah. that said, make sure that you are uh, cooperating within the Clubhouse. But right. that, that that's that's our board meeting. Um, Bulletin board, ain't really much going on. Like I said at the beginning of the show, wash your hands, wear your mask, sanitize, moisturize. There are some events outside now, some socially distanced ones, some drive-in concerts, some drive-in movies, all that. But make sure that that, that, that you're still safe. Um, right. Episode six. Uh, six is very uh, special. This past weekend, uh, Drake's birthday, actually. Shout out to him. Oh <laughs> Happy birthday oh. to the GOAT. Goat Man, this podcast. And Happy this podcast. birthday to the goat. Oh my god. Sometimes we pod, <laughs> sometimes we laugh, but you know now. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Armand Sadler, head honcho, all that stuff. This is my phenomenal co-host, Nicholas Monroe early. Yeah, I dropped a middle name. Yeah, I dropped a government. Don't let them know that. <laughs> That's it, everybody. Stay safe. Stay humble. Stay busy. Take us away. Baby girl, baby girl, how you feeling? I've been out in the world, staying busy, taking time, getting right. If you miss me, I've been out in the world, staying busy. Monday's not a yell. Money's not a yell. Party with the gang. Party with the gang. Every week, tell a friend. Every week, tell.